James is on the phone. He's making deals. Welcome to another episode of Rise Above the Ranks. Probably my favorite podcast I've ever listened to. Two better guys, better at what they do, aside from me. Okay, so welcome. We're happy to be here. Frankly, we're here together. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It is great to be here for another episode of Rise Above the Ranks. Remember, this podcast is in conjunction with our free newsletter, The Blueprint. Go check it out at www.readtheblueprint.com to stay up to date on the most important real estate news. Today, we are welcoming a very special very funny, very interesting, very quirky, amazing agent, Zach Goldsmith. That's a surprise. I Intr- thought we were introing Adam. <laughs> we are. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> okay. And of course, my fellow business partner, Adam Rosenfeld. Welcome to the podcast, Zach. Thank you for being here. We love you. And now we get to inquisit the shit out of you and hear some of the funniest jokes. How are you? I would truthfully, rather than be your uh, funny buddy in the yeah. business, I'd rather be your partner. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we're looking for a fifth. So, Are you looking for you know. a fifth? Four is uncomfortable. We need a tie break. We do. I what feel like in, in every boy band, which I think we essentially are at this we point, are. everyone has a role. What would you be sliding into? I, first of all, my choreography is impeccable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be just another jackass on the team. So it'd be, so it'd be way, four of you. Four, John, John's a great guy. Five <laughs> jackasses. <laughs> we are missing John's bushy eyebrows today, which we introduce him as Mr. Eyebrows every day. So we're missing those, but we got you instead. Yeah, so we, I got, we got Woody Allen. We got Woody right. Allen. Right I, I swear I'm so happy to be here. I could, I'm taking it to my... <laughs> I take his place. I can't. I can't. No one could replace John Grauman. <laughs> Give us your best top three impersonations because you, I, I've seen you roast at a company event. I've seen you roast at a dinner party. I've actually seen people walk out in result of your roasts because they were so <laughs> offensive, but they're so brilliant. But what are your top three? I imp- cannot pick one, two, three. 100% I cannot pick a top threes. By the way, believe me, I try to pick it. It's like trying to pick a stone between Teravertin. Yeah. You eat one, two, one story, two story. You can do it. It's fantastic. Oh, good. <laughs> oh my God. What's well, the next God. one? Is, uh, this is embarrassing. Isn't Adam Persian? I don't know. I thought Isn't it was pretty Adam brilliant. Persian? Yeah. Adam is not Persian. Adam is Israeli. I love the Persian okay. community and my Persian clients and my Persian friends, but definitely not Persian. Yeah. <laughs> you say, that wrong camera. Can yeah. you say it again? <laughs> I love Persians too. I love, I love Jews. I make fun of Jews. What are you going to do? <laughs> You're Jewish. And Thank you. have probably got some Persian descent. We'll not so make fun of white people. Obvious? That's no. where I draw the line. <laughs> <laughs> Can we hear you're Israeli. Do you do an Israeli? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Why not? Manish <laughs> Mamotek. So let's go. You have a one camera, two cameras. Let's go. Uh, what the fuck, man? When let's does, do it. Uh, 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 Israelis, Israelis are always like stuntmen to me. They're like always big show. Okay, so I'm in this fucking truck. I have to jump in the roof, right? This bitch come down. Forget it. <laughs> let's talk, let's talk oh, more. Oh, uh, dude. Hold on before. Mauricio Umansky. Come on. I I, it's incredible you asked me to be here. I Where's the camera? Look at me. Uh, it's like uh, being on Buying Beverly Hills. It's, uh, it's, amazing. Oh, it's amazing. That's not even my camera. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> so as good you as want Alexia you are, next? <laughs> as good as you are as these impersonations, Zach is a rock star real estate agent. In our office, what's the biggest sale? You've done some thank massive, you, massive you. sales. Uh, 65 million 
um, the Paul Allen estate. That wow. was pretty epic. Wow, Paul Ooh. Allen estate. That's incredible. Listed at 150 million. So we'll start there. <laughs> I never say the sales price. What's the biggest thing? 150 way, million. Nobody ever does. Really? Anytime like they post on Instagram now, it's just the asking price. The sales price is never disclosed. No, on social media. no. well, you want to protect your clients. Yeah. You don't want to tell what them what they paid. Okay. Yeah, it's fine at this point. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So, so clearly we got an amazing agent here that does unbelievable impersonations. But we do have some real estate topics to go over. Let's do, let's rapid fire this because I'm excited to listen to The market's Adam's crazy. Answers. Before we even get into the economic topics, I'm finding it one of the weirdest markets certainly I've ever seen. I know here locally, we've got this ULA tax coming up. That's throwing everyone off. I can't wait for it to just pass. Interest rates rising again today, a quarter point. Mm -hmm. But before we even get into the topics, how are you boys finding the market right now? Yeah, I mean, to piggyback off of what you're saying, it's it's super bizarre. You know, in the 10 years I've been doing this, I've never seen a market like this. I've never felt a market like this. Um, it's pretty obvious to me that we're, we're very much shifting towards a buyer's market. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, given what we're coming up against with ULA, it is a prime time as we head up against the deadline for a real renegotiation because sellers are essentially painted into a corner when they're selling for above $5 million to have to pay this additional tax. And buyers know that. And they are not shy in taking advantage of those situations and potentially rightfully so you know it's not necessarily done in good faith but it's happening and i think we all have to try and figure out how to, to mitigate those situations and it's not easy to do because this is really unfounded new territory for all of us wild mm -hmm. i see why they think you're so smart yeah. thank you <laughs> smart and cute and Love handsome it. jesus cute stop, i don't know about stop handsome. it cute. stop it we're playing footsies stop it. It. So, oh, it's it's oh look at that Oh, you're not. You're both. Not I, wearing I, socks. We are the sockless trio here. I had to take my socks off because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stand being the only guy. I, I I agree with you. I think it's turning into buyer's market. I have been having an incredible year and yep. representing both buyers and sellers. I'm seeing so many deals happen. Like you said, it's a weird time seeing so many deals happen for buyers and sellers. And then I've got properties that I can't even get a showing on. Right. Yep. Which, how do you explain, you know, there's there's a need and there's a desire. And I think like with all this crap, ULA, wildlife, everything, they're trying to put a stranglehold on our city. I've been in this business 20 years. My family's been in it. I've seen it all. And this is something new, but every time it's something new. Yeah. And every time we conquer, we overcome. If there's a will and a desire to be here, and there always will be, we're going to overcome this too, and we're going to thrive. And properties you buy today are going to be worth more in 10 years, that's, hands down. That's the pitch right there, right? It's like, are we in a 2008 subprime mortgage crisis? No. no. We're in a situation where we got to curb inflation. We talk about it on the podcast over and over and over again because it's such uh, a common thread of what's being discussed out there right now. But once we curb inflation, rates will come back down and people are going to look back at this time two years from now and say, we stole our property. They're going to refinance. And I think when we're talking to clients, we have to be half glass full mentality, not half glass, half empty, because otherwise we're all going to be out of business uh, and mean, there's opportunities right now. A thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, I'm always, I think like you guys, especially you, you're a fucking realist and you <laughs> Very are, pragmatic. you are like, I'm an optimist <laughs> and your cup runneth over. Runneth over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sipping guy. his runneth over cup. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's extra. Right. I just want to slurp it up on the side. <laughs> here's, here's what's going on. Here's my, my diagnosis of this, right? Like it's a very strange time in that it feels like we're a bit of a stalemate because every buyer is trying to catch the bottom. Nobody exactly knows when that's going to be. And people want to time it to make sure that 
they're making the most out of the can with every transaction. And the reality is you always wanna be buying when everyone's selling and you wanna be selling when everyone's buying. 100%. And we're in a situation now where, look, if, if you don't have a real motivation to move as a seller, what's the point? So yep. the inventory is still greatly limited. And if you're a buyer, you only wanna be buying where you feel like sellers are severely motivated. 100%. And there's just not a lot of that. So it feels like we're just in limbo, just kind of waiting to see what's going to drop if it's going to be the shoe that drops or a totally different situation where maybe we still come into some kind of a soft landing and la is a very unique market i feel like we're insulated a little bit from you know the recessionary pressure that the rest of the country faces because i do think there is going to be correction that happens throughout the united states but i don't know that we feel the same kind of effect here so time will tell certainly not time will definitely tell and that goes into the first story which is basically off the back of what you said seller concessions they are on the rise they just reported data recently home sellers gave concessions to buyers in 45 and a half percent of home sales during the three months ending february 28th so the question that i have is now we're moving into that buyer's market now that we're seeing these seller concessions what advice are you boys giving to agents that are out there working with buyers and sellers and what's the strategy in this market? And I'd like to hear it from both of you on both the buy side and the sell side because we base, we deal with both sides of the coin, right? The advice we give a buyer is often different to the advice we give a seller, but we're always trying to just do the best by our clients. So what advice do you guys give to those seller concession negotiations? Well, we're brokers, first of all. So right. we are here to broker the deal. So when these two can't agree, we're going to give what the buyer what they want, the seller what they want. At the end of the day, we're bringing them together how, by any means necessary. And yep. we're doing what we're supposed to do if we can do that. Yeah. Um, so part of that, I think, falls into concessions. It's a crazy stat, 45%, almost 50% concessions. I, I generally don't give back commissions um, because I think like, if you want a discount broker, there's many out there and they're gonna do a discount broker job for you. We are going above and beyond and I think we are going to make you money yep. if you're selling this thing a thousand percent. We're gonna guide you through a smart decision because I've been in this business a long time, like I said, and I have a reputation because I've built business over time, not by doing one deal. So if people can trust that. Then you decide at some point like, well, if there is a concession to be made if there is a gap to be filled and everyone's working to bridge it together i have no problem participating to bridge that gap i love that answer and i know that we're talking about commission negotiations right now if we're talking about seller concessions to buyers if you're in a deal that's five million dollars and the buyer comes to negotiate half a million dollars on the request for repair i think the concession segment to that is that 45.5% of deals are giving concessions, not necessarily entirely on the commission, but on the negotiation of the deal between the purchase price and the sale price. So you're in a $5 million deal or $2 million deal, buyer comes and does all their inspections, buyer says, you know what, I want 300,000 off. Right. How are you negotiating that side of the deal? And that's all part of the same thing, the renegotiation, yeah, right? right. That's, that's the commission. Right, because then the they come every after. concession, is, yes. it's all tied in. What were you going to say, Adam? I, I just going to say it's a very nuanced question. I don't think there's like a specific formula. You have to look at each example and, and take it as it comes. You know, you're going to be in a situation sometimes as a seller, especially running up against something like ULA. Look, this just happened to us on a deal where, you know, we're in a deal for a, a rather large sum. There were certainly some issues, but you know, buyer came back and asked for a major concession and, and seller really needs to analyze, like at the end of the day, what are they gonna be able to do in the event that this deal doesn't work out? Mm -hmm. What are the additional exit strategies? 
You know, is the, the request for a reduction justified? Is it done in good faith? You know, is the seller someone who's really dug in on principle and doesn't want to deal with that? And if they decide, no, I'm pushing back and I'm not going to make a concession, well, how much money do you end up losing, right? Let's say you make a half a million dollar concession to close the deal now. Well, that might be better than making a million dollar concession later when you're 100%. taking a lower price and you're still going to have to pay ULA. Yep. So it's really difficult to advise, you know, in a, I guess, a more macro strategy. And, and you got to take kind of each deal as it comes and figure out what's going to make the most sense as someone who, you know, acts as a broker, but truly as an advisor to be able to add value and, and ultimately perspective. Yep. I think perspective is what's going to be the most imperative aspect of this, you know, on a deal to deal basis. Yeah, forty five percent shows that it's turning it's turned into a buyer's more That's of a buyer's what market, it, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. So <clears throat> let's talk about what those common concessions are. Paying for repairs, listing at a lower price, interest rate buy downs, assisting with closing costs, longer closings, home warranty. We've seen it all, we've heard it all. I think the way I approach it at least is if you're in a deal with a reasonable buyer and a reasonable seller, there should always be a meeting of the minds. And if that means we have to participate because everybody else is being reasonable, no problem at all. Because we're in this business for longevity, right? If you're working on behalf of a seller and you give a concession, the idea is you're gonna work with that seller for years to come, mm -hmm. that seller's friends, that seller's family. And the same goes with a buyer. If you show that you have good faith and that buyer or seller is a reasonable human being, not a prick, Thank you very much. How often does that happen? I mean, there's, listen, <laughs> in this market, there's more pricks than not. But quite frankly, if you are a prick, I'm not going to play games with you. And I'm right. not going to give those concessions. But if you're a reasonable human being, yeah. I'm going to work with you. And I'll also add just quickly, you know, we do deals here and buyers will get 15 inspections and 900 pages of the reports. And then they'll submit this request for repair for 300, 400, $500,000. I'm the type of agent, and I'm sure I'm probably not going to be so well received here. Agents will go through those reports and highlight everything and like try and come up with this genius strategy. The truth is, I actually don't give a shit about the reports. I don't really care because the truth is, it just comes down to if the seller starts getting into all that detail, they start getting so caught up in every single penny. I like to just get down to bottom line. Like, Where's your head at? What's the number you're willing? Like, forget all of that. What number are you willing to do? Like, you don't need to do all of this and get all these other inspectors. It just becomes a secondary negotiation. Stop trying to nitpick. Let's just get to the bottom of it and try and do the deal. Mm -hmm. And I know there's agents, and you guys are probably a lot more methodical than I am, that you'll print it all out and highlight it. And that's <laughs> great. Um, but it's, at the end of the day, if you have a reasonable buyer and seller, there's no reason that 500,000 can't come down to 250, 300, 350. You put in 50. Somewhere in the middle, there should be a deal that gets done if you've got a real buyer and seller. Yeah, no, for That's sure. That's just me. Listen, I'm, I'm in agreement. So I'm probably somewhere in between the two of you here. I take great issue with a lot of these inspections. I think they're overkill a lot of times. They're obviously inspections that are necessary. But anytime you have an agent on the other side who's ordering 15 inspections, you know, even when it's at the buyer's request, I know people are looking for problems. They're just yep. looking for a way to renegotiate. And I look at inspection overkill the same way I would like if you went into a doctor's office and you ordered every test that the doctor was you know, willing to provide you to look at your blood, you would get a thousand things back that would freak you out that might be normal or might be somewhat 
unnormal, I guess, you know, based on the standard, but like, what is the standard? Like, I don't want to freak myself out for no reason. And a lot of these things are really just going to be like things to discuss and argue about to, to drive a price down that aren't even going to get affected or changed anyways after the, the transaction's over. So it's like, what's the point? We're all in this to close a deal, to, to work not adversarially, but you know, mutually to put a deal together. And look, it's great. We all want to advocate on behalf of the client, but at the end of the day, the client's in a deal because they want a deal. Correct. They want to move forward. It's Usually. our job to help them do that. 100%. Yeah, I think using the a medical analogy is great because you know you're going to go into the doctor's office, you're going to run a bunch of tests, and God willing, inshallah, you're going to be healthy. <laughs> God willing, you're going to be healthy, but you're going to have some issues. You're okay. going to need to lower your cholesterol. You're going to need yeah. to, to, to eat better. You're going to need to exercise more. Fine. That's the same thing as the you house. You have Lyme disease. You, you have fibromyalgia. You have all these things you're looking for. Confirmation all his, bias. Uh, yeah, is, I can, is hereditary Jewish things. diseases. Yeah. You, come, you, come you have asthma. With... You've got the problem with your hip. Yeah. You're getting jewier by the day. You really are. But, yes. but, but, it, but it, the it, analogy it is, was great. But you're not going My to give sciatica. up. But you're not going to give yourself up. You're going to keep fighting. You want the house. You're in this body. It's just a way to find, identify all these things that can be worked on over time and improve what you've got. Correct. But Don't the, let the, it ruin what you have. But the amount of paranoia that it brings up is unbelievable yeah. to me. You know, like these inspections come about and then all of a sudden, sellers start to freak out and they think that like people are in this together, there's collusion, they're doing this to try and drive the price down, everyone is somehow involved and it never works in anyone's favor. By the way, you've had instances yes. where you've had missing knobs on the window cranks yes. and people are like, I, I just like, this is one too many things, this is just, I can't do <laughs> I can't this. do it, it's too much. And this goes back to why I like to just try and simplify it. Don't get yeah. so caught up in the details, let's yeah. talk numbers. I True. think, I think the way to curb that, by the way, is, is expectations. Yeah. You have got to set Correct. the right expectations ahead of time. I will go in saying like, look, you want to you want to look under the hood. There's going to be a lot of shit you'll find. That's me too. You're also going to find a beautiful engine, a classic, yes. with so much value add here that you won't be able to yep. you, you won't be able to stop yourself after you start. So for me, and then we can move on. Every single buyer I represent, and we're booking all the inspections, whether it's a brand new house, a 20 year old house, or a 200 year old house. I say I'm just letting you know now. You're going to get pages and pages and pages of items that are going to come up. They're either going to be fix it items. They're going to be items that need Need remediation we're not interested in those items we're interested in the red flags so immediately you're setting the expectation out of the gate that we don't care about the missing knobs we don't care that the hood has some grease underneath it right. we really don't care we want to make sure the house isn't going to fall down the week after you buy it and then you sort of pre let them know what the expectation is so that when they get those reports and there are pages and pages of shit they expected that and we can work through it instead 100%. of getting freaked out and, and, and moving on. I think yeah. it's about, I think it's about, you want to work with people who understand that you are, we are here to win the war, not every battle. Yep. Yeah. And when you're a seller or a seller's agent, you typically want to work with agents on the other side that you yep. know are closers that aren't going to cause problems and create conflict. You know, and it's amazing, you know, it's amazing how many times at the same totally, time in absolutely. a smart way. But yeah. it's amazing how many times you go into a deal, you know, the house could be a hundred years old and you're explaining it's as is, totally. right? Like this is an old house. It's not going to perform like a brand new spec house. hundred percent. And even with that expectation, the negotiation always begins as soon as the contract is actually signed. Couldn't agree with you more. And that is why your reputation as an agent with other agents is the single-handedly most important thing you can do in your business because clients come and go, agents stay. Could and not agree more. you're in a deal and there's multiple agents trying to bid for the same property and you want to get it, you better make sure you have a great relationship 
with the other agent, A, it's going to win you the deal, and B, it's going to make the deal a lot smoother. Yeah, I can't hammer this point in enough. The agent on the other side is not your adversary. Yep. They're oh. not. They are your partner. 100%. There's nothing worse than the other agent trying to play the hero. Yep. You're like, you're just standing in the way of your client. Play the hero. Dream. There's agents who will literally cause problems to then go ahead and solve the problems that they cause hmm. because that's how they're adding value. Look what I did for you. Oh Look God, what I did. That is... <laughs> Write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> don't be the hero people and that moves into reputation how important is your reputation in this industry i don't think there's anything more important not with your peers as agents not with your clients i mean what is more important than your reputation in this business today that's, Nothing. That my business is based off of my reputation. It's amazing you do any business. It is. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> they're all new clients. But, <laughs> but people genuinely, and actually people really, I don't know why, love Adam. Yeah, they do. I don't, I don't understand either. I don't know why. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't know if it's None his good looks. It. But joking, I've spoken to the clients. They don't know. They joking don't aside, like, as with you too, by the way, like, I love it when I'm out and about in a city such as Los Angeles where everyone's lovely to your face and an arsehole behind your back and you actually hear your peers talking nicely about your peers. You know you've done something right when people in LA are actually being nice about you behind your back. But for me, there's just nothing more important than people having a respect for you, not being able to push you over, not being able to think they can walk all over you, but having a respect for you because you're ethical, because you're a hardworking person, and because your clients know you have your back. I don't think there's anything more important than that. It's a, it's a funny thing because, you know, we are all obviously in competition with one another um, to some degree, yet at the same time, you know, some of my best friends in the world are my competition in business. For sure. And I'll say this, making money is awesome. Right, it's great. I know you love it, perhaps more than most. <laughs> I really like it. <laughs> but making money with with friends and people that you love and care about is that much more rewarding. Hundred. And when you can make those relationships, especially in business, it's amazing to me. I'm going to pat myself on the back here a little bit, but a lot of my business actually comes from other agents. Mm -hmm. There are agents who they need to bring in a co-listing agent for whatever reason. You know, the seller is demanding that they have two companies on the deal. My phone will ring a lot for situations like that. And it's amazing how much business you can pick up just by being a good guy or a good woman and like having great relations from the business and knowing that other people just want to work with you. And sometimes that's half the battle. You like you like people a lot more than I think we do. I was going to say, no one's called me. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got agents calling me, giving me business. So I take my hat but off it to should you be, It should be an enjoyable process. If it's going to feel like a brain aneurysm, I'm like, what's the point? You know, totally. we're, we're not in this business for trouble. We're in it because we love it. We enjoy doing it. And we're passionate. And more often than not, if you're in this business and you're successful, you love people. If you can have that attitude in life, I think you're winning. Amen. And that's what makes you soar in business. I like to Great. wake up and think... I want to have incredible energy today. I want to give this energy to other people. I know I'm optimistic. I want other people to be. I want to see the world with rose-colored glasses. And it will be. You know, that's like our business. And that's what people that. respect. And it's, it's just a more enjoyable way to live. Dude, I love that. I love that. Perfectly Who's said. Who's more? If you had to scale... Oh, I don't know. Whose did I prefer? Like, yeah. Oh, whose did you prefer? God, I honestly... Don't like, say I, it. I okay, feel bad for him. Adam. Uh, <laughs> okay, so moving on. Foreign buyers. Hugely <laughs> talked about across America, Canada. It doesn't matter. We all love to think international buyers are here. Every seller thinks an international buyer is going to buy their home. Um, but it's a real thing. Back again, in COVID, people couldn't travel. They couldn't come into the US. There wasn't much international purchasing going on. 
But right now they're saying real estate insiders nationwide, including us, have seen a jump in the number of overseas buyers returning to the US market. Reports detailing an uptick in buyers from China and the Middle East, and the interest has grown near pre-pandemic levels. I'd like to know as agents, how are you guys attracting foreign buyers in this market today? I'll be honest, I, I haven't seen it yet. So Perfect, you know. Zach. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I've actually seen a lot of joking, Asian no. buyers recently coming to a couple of specific listings. As but are you slew. seeing an uptick in international buyers? Are you feeling it? I certainly am. Um, but just curious, like, are you guys genuinely seeing it? If you're not, you're not. But I'm, see I'm seeing an uptick in international buyers yep. um, from certain regions. And I think it has to do with the economy in those regions Agreed. pumping here and the ability to get more money out now than they could for the past five, 10 years. I think it's getting harder and harder to pull your money out, but people are definitely trying. I think they've been in the process of right. finding ways for the last five and 10 years. Wealthy people don't just let those things hold them back. Although other countries have restrictions, they find ways, obviously. And I think this is a culmination, a, a large percentage of finding ways over the last five, 10 years. And it's we're coming to see it now. I mean, I, I think it's a blessing. You know, Definitely. it's pretty sure. obvious that, look, the market, if you go 365 days ago to what it is today, it's almost 180 degree difference on that spectrum. And that post-COVID market or the in-COVID market that we had, that massive bull run in real estate was completely domestic driven, which is so interesting when you think about it. The healthiest market we've arguably had in the last 10 years was totally domestic. Mm -hmm. And we're now at this point where, you know, we are essentially hitting a bit of a, a bump in the road. So open the gates. I mean, let people back in. Dude, the COVID policies have it. let up. Um, you know, the borders are opening up a little bit now. I think things are easing up in China in terms of their COVID protocols and their requirements. So I think for us here, especially in, in Los Angeles, um, it's imperative to get the, the Asian buyers back and some of the European buyers back and potentially the Russian buyers um, back. So boys, where are you finding these international buyers? I know for us, we find them through having listings, right? If you have the listings, in my opinion, you have the control because you see which buyers are coming through. Um, but Obviously, our ties being from London, we have foreign buyers that are coming from the UK, throughout Europe. But if you were advising agents of how to go out and get those international buyers, and I know it's not do this, do this, and you'll get 20 of them, but how do you guys find those international buyers? I think same as what you just said. I think having listings is always key. You know, I think... Uh the proper mentality when you want to be very successful in real estate is controlling as many listings as possible, controlling the inventory. And yep. through that, it's amazing how many buyers you eventually pick up just from having that momentum working in your favor, whether it's through sitting open houses on that particular property or even just organically doing showings. It's pretty incredible how many buyers will come direct, especially foreign buyers, when you hold a listing. Yep. And that might not be the best property for them, even if they're represented, but it's just knowing how to connect the dots and mm -hmm. figuring out if this property doesn't work and I know that buyer is real and ready to go, what else can I move them into? That's right. Figuring out how to pivot very quickly in the event that you know that this isn't gonna be the right thing. Um, I think I, I, can't, I can't really say too much more than you did. Having listings is how you attract those buyers and having pockets in those areas which I try and do every time you have a listing, I know you're very good at it. You go out and get as much as you can in that neighborhood. And the more you have, the more options you have, the more they're going to trust you and come to you. 100%. I love it. Any final thoughts? Because we have to wrap up the episode. Anything you want to discuss? Any impersonations you want to do? Anything you want to say? <laughs> I'm working on my Adam impression. I was going to say, how's the Adam impression? Oh, let's hear the, oh, Adam. Let's hear the Adam and James I'm, uh, impersonation, please. I'm... I'm 
I'm uh, workshopping Adam. I've, I've got. Why a little... does he make me sound like Woody <laughs> Allen when he like? <laughs> you are so much Jewier than you imagine. You are. You just it, it this this little tiny old Jew in this beautiful body. What do you want from me? <laughs> so so I so start wise. there. So I start oh. there. You know, you are just this tiny. Listen, the real estate market is growing because twenty five percent, and then. Ten minutes later, like Trump, (laughs) absolutely is one of a kind, (laughs) and frankly, there's never been a better looking guy. Okay, I was the best looking guy in the room until James. Now I'm the third. Oh, I do love it. That guy was great for the real estate market, by the way. (laughs) That he was. Oh my God, great for business, great for the economy, bad for humanity. I don't know. It's a, it's a toss-up. <laughs> All right. Now i got to hear the impersonation of me because I can't wrap this episode without We hearing. did it in the beginning. I said, look, these guys are great. Work with them all you want, but not over me, okay? <laughs> no one does a job like I do. Oh. And that's a wrap. Oh, I love it. Zach Goldsmith, <laughs> thank you so much for joining. Uh, I do was... genuinely love both of you. I think Likewise. like uh, you both bring different things to the table. Great optimism, great excitement. And and it's it's a great team. I'd love to see you guys grow, and uh, I'm excited for the audition. We appreciate <laughs> it. We love you too. One so thing I'll say, man, you. just on the way out, I, I I know I mentioned you know the joy of like working with people you know, like and trust, but particularly love. Dude, my day is infinitely better every time I get to spend time with you, especially in the working environment. It's just a smile on my face all the time, man. I just I greatly, I'm just greatly appreciate. Just gonna leave right now. Let them have, take a I would, <laughs> wouldn't mind a little makeout sash. <laughs> <laughs> that's very nice. That's 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 really nice. That's like what I want to bring. To uh, no, look, man, like you're one of my favorite people in the business. Like, unfortunately, there's a lot of assholes in the business. I hate to say it, not to disparage any of my, my peers in the business, but like it's really rare that there's a gem like you, buddy. You're you're spectacular. Oh, I, I typically think I'm funny. I'm a lot less funny when you're in the room. So I'll take <laughs> it. I'll take the back seat. But for whatever it's worth, bro, thank you. Good to know you. I think we make a great team w- within our company. Amen. Within yep. our business. We've got to be people like us. That's the only reason I'm in this business, because of people like you guys. I appreciate it, buddy. Love it. I love it. Go find people you love, trust, and want to make money with. That's the beauty of the business that we're in. Thank you so much, Zach, for joining another great, great episode of Rise Above the Ranks. Again, the sister publication to readtheblueprint.com. Hope you've enjoyed the episode. Click below to subscribe, and we will see you next week. Thank you. (laughs) 